Uh, Sister Brenda, could you read that from your version, please? Verse 29 to 35. Who is angry? Who is sorry? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the towns, trying out new drinks. Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how rare it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a priceless thing. It stings like a vapor. You will see, follow, Hallucinations. You feel hallucinations. And you will see crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to and swaying mass. And you will say, They hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. <laughs> then you will, then when I wake up. So I can look. Drink. Sounds familiar? <laughs> now it gives us this this passage gives us a clue on how you can identify a drunken person. A person who has drink a lot. Okay, or would be the big person who like to hit the bottle. Okay? He says, Who has anguish? Know anybody who always has anguish? That's a clue on the kind of person that they are. Like they did a drunkard. Who has sorrows? Now, not necessarily uh, uh, drunkards have sorrow, but drunkards are people who exhibit greater degree of sorrow than, more, than anybody else. Who's always fighting? You know, people who get in fight, get in fights a lot, and normally get in fight because they are under the influence, right? Who's always complaining? And of course, there's those unnecessary bruises. They get drunk, they fall down, they bruise up themselves, they beat up themselves, or somebody else beat them up because they always get in fights. Says that they're always fighting. So those bruises could come from getting into, into a lot of fights. And uh, they spend a lot of time in the bar or in the nightclub uh, drinking. And so chapter 23 concludes with a classic description of a drunkard who causes all kinds of misery on himself as he staggers from sorrow to sorrow. What a miserable life, eh? And people choose that life. They choose that. Okay? It, 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 it's not something that just happens to them. You know, there are a lot of things, bad things that just happen to people. They didn't go looking for it. They were just victims of circumstance. Well, this is not one of them. Okay? This person brings all of these problems on themselves. Now, it says that they, they always complaining. Why are they complaining? I mean, they brought all the problems on themselves, right? So they shouldn't be complaining. His life is marked by conflict because he's always picking a fight with somebody. So his life is a constant ongoing of conflicts. While he constantly grumbles and complains, it never dawns on him. He doesn't get a clue that he himself is causing all these problems, is bringing all these predicaments on himself. 
as much as he complains and gripes, he never comes to that conclusion. In other words, that thought never crosses his mind that, boy, look what I do to myself. How did I get myself in all of this? That never crosses his mind. It's always somebody else caused this. Somebody else did this to me. Anytime you find somebody like that, you know what they into. Okay? And so he gives us a clue here. A bunch of clues. His bruises and wounds and black eye are all unnecessary. They come from all, all come from unnecessary fights. Is a fight ever necessary? No. It's not. And so all these bruises and, and, and wounds and black eyes he gets from unnecessary conflicts, fights, squabbles, whatever you want to call them. With unfocused and bloodshot eyes, he sits in the barroom all night long. Can't seem to get enough. Consuming one drink after another. Somebody else comes in and drinks something. Hey, what's that he had? Oh, give me that too. Okay, and on and on and on. Tries all the, the idea that he's given you is he sits in the barroom and he tries all kinds of drinks. Because you see, he's used to drinking this, but this don't seem to be getting it in the spot no more. So he wants to try something else. And so the idea that, that, that um, Solomon is conveying is, he's not sitting in the barroom drinking the same thing. Okay? He's sitting in the barroom drinking a whole lot of different concoctions. Because the stuff that he used to drink before, it just ain't doing it no more. Alright? And so the idea is, he's experimenting. You know, hey, what you drinking? Okay, what you drinking? Okay, mix some of that with what he got, and some of that with what he got, and let, let me see how that tastes. Okay, that's what he's doing. That's the idea here. Mixing all kinds of drinks. And even though he's clearly warned, there's no shortage of warning about having a fascination with, by the clear sparkle of the drink in the glass and how it looks. You know, some of them, are, they're captivated by how it looks and the way it swirls around in the cup. You notice, you know, he mentions all of that. Okay, all of this is enticing. All of this is important. Because this is what entices the guy to drink it. Okay, how it swirls around, how it sparkles in the cup, and how smoothly it goes down. Okay, his life is marked by conflict. And then he refuses to listen to the advice that, listen, the bartender says, listen, I think you had enough for tonight, you need to go home. He hearing that. Okay, he refuses to listen. And so he suffers the consequences which are described as the bite of a servant and the sting of a viper. Now, I don't think any of us have ever experienced any of that. But we've heard of the excruciating pain that comes as a result of a snake bite. And, uh, and uh, I don't think any of us want to experience that for ourselves. Okay, but it's an excruciating pain. It's poisonous and it's painful. And not only that, he goes on to describe that his eyes see strange things. Okay, he's having hallucinations. He's seeing things that don't actually exist. Uh, talks about the horrors and hallucinations. And the violent mental disturbances. Which come as a result of prolonged use of alcohol. And what, what do you expect? You're putting all this poison in your body. And you expect that you're going to be okay? No. And then he says it's like a boat bobbing back and forth on the sea. He stumbles back and forth unsteadily. 
he he's like a he, he feels like he's a, a suspended on the top of a mass. And you sailors would know how this is, right, very clear? Yes, well, there's to be on the top of a mass, bobbing back and forth. Yes, sir. Okay, well, that's to say that's the kind of feeling that he has. A lot of bruises. Okay, from side to side, he's rocking, and he he on no mass, he on the ground, he on solid ground. But yet, this is what he's experiencing. Okay, he was beaten up. He was so beaten up that when he regains consciousness, he says, "I'm not hurt. I'm okay." I mean, he's got all these bruises, black eye, and he's, he's, he's saying, No, I'm okay. Ain't nothing wrong with me. But everybody can see how beat up and bruised up he is. He is. He says, even though they beat him, he didn't feel it. That's what alcohol does. Okay? He said, they beat me, but I didn't feel it. And as soon as he gets up, as soon as he sobers up, what does he do? Go back for another drink. Go back for another drink. I remember I was working with a, a a guy who, an electrician one time, and uh, he was telling me that he had this fellow working with him, a helper, doing electrician work. And he said this fellow used to drink a lot, and he was trying to, uh, you know, get the, the electrical pliers and trying to skin the wire, you know, take the insulation off the wire. And he said, fill out the, the pliers in this hand and the, the wire in that hand. And he could not touch the wire. He couldn't touch it. He had the, D, what they call the DTs. Okay, he needed to drink real bad. Okay, he had the pliers and he could not get the pliers in connection with the, with, with the wire. And he's, he's doing this and doing this. And he just can't, he just can't do it. And the fella says, man, I made another drink. Now, I had a fella out there, um, um, doing some work uh, on a generator this week, just this week. And um, Rodney Stewart was doing the, the work, and he had this fellow, this electrician who works with him. And uh, and he called me. I was in the office. He was downstairs, and he called me. And he said, uh, you, you took the ladder back. We had a little ladder that we keep, we keep in the office, and I took it down for them to use to stand on. And he said, you took the ladder back? I said, yeah, I have the ladder because I don't want to leave it down there overnight. Uh, you know, someone may steal it. And uh, so he said, I'll bring it down for you. And he was on the phone. He had the phone. or He didn't hang up the phone right away. And I hear him telling the guy, no, 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 no. You two over, over, you, you got too much hang over the sound in that bucket. Wait till he bring the ladder. Okay, so apparently this guy was drinking. All right? But this is what happens to people who drink. And I, I was surprised that Rodney let him deal with that electric, electrical stuff in the state that he was in. But he did a good job. He finished the job and he got it done. But you see, that's what some people are. You know, uh, this guy who couldn't touch the pliers with the, with the, with the, with the couldn't touch the wire with the pliers, for nothing in the world he couldn't do that. But as soon as the fellow let him go get a drink, he came back, man, he was normal. He was just like normal. No problem taking the insulation of that wire. So what is he? He's addicted. He's dependent. He can't do without that stuff. You know, God help him and he can't find it. He's in trouble. And you have a lot of people like that today, and this is what he's. This is what uh, Solomon is warning here about. This is what he's talking about. Now he's speaking not only from experience, but he's seen people who've gone through this. Of course, we've seen people like that too. Okay, but this is one of the clearest warnings in Scripture about the dangers and the avoidance of alcohol. And if you know somebody who drinks a lot, you need to you need to sit down with them and pass this warning on to them. Some of them may be too far gone because they can't do without the stuff now. Okay, but if you know somebody who's starting to get into it, 
You know, I was shocked to see a young man on our, one of our, our fellows here in the assembly saying on Facebook that he was drinking a beer over the holiday while he was watching the game and the beer spilled on his computer and messed his computer up and now his computer is dead, it's gone, it's finished. Young fellow. And he's going to put that on Facebook. You know, he must have been drunk when he did that. You know, I, I, I was shocked when I read that. You know, I said, you know, and I, I, I saw him. I missed him from church for a while, and um, he had posted something on Facebook about um, about going to spending a lot of time at uh, Dairy Queen, and um, he was saying on he said on Facebook he said, "Boy, I should get some kind of a uh, a lot of benefits from for the, from the amount of time that I." spent in Dairy Queen, the amount of money I spent in Dairy Queen. And so being facetious myself, I decided to make a comment back. And I said, oh, so that's where you worship these days. Oh. <laughs> so I haven't seen you for a while. And so he sent me a, I guess he wanted to be just as facetious. And he, he, uh, he found all these clips about, from Arnold Schwarzenegger. The part where he says, I'll be back. Remember that? Well, he found a lot of those clips and he sent them back to me. <laughs> I, saw all these, I saw all these links. And so I click on the link and I said, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. Well, he came back Mother's Day. And this was a long time. He came back Mother's Day. Came to church on Mother's Day. I was surprised to see him. Uh, but I was shocked that he, he would put something like that on the Facebook because he said uh, he uh, he spilled his beer he was drinking while watching the game and um, messed up his computers and now he needs a new computer and he's complaining that he needs a new computer see what I'm, see what Solomon is saying about the complaint always complaining complaining now he's not I'm not sure I'm sure he's not an alcoholic yet but he's, he's pretty close to getting there if he starts complaining when he's caused all this problem himself by drinking he spilled the beer on his computer he messed up his computer computer now he's complaining that his computer is dead is gone is broken up he needs a new computer same thing he said here. And then he says, you know, I, I, I left the the, 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 um, the sunroof open, open in my car and the rain came down and my car got all wet up and I had to run out there in the rain and now I'm afraid of getting pneumonia. He's complaining. But he caused all the problems himself. Okay, and that's the same thing he's saying here. I don't know if the alcohol had something to do with leaving the window open or not. But the point that he's making here is that he's complaining. Okay, verse 1 of chapter 24. I believe we got a pretty good warning of what he's talking about when it, when it comes to the consumption of alcohol. Okay? So now that brings us to chapter 24, verse 1. And now we're still looking at the 30 sayings that Solomon mentioned earlier. Okay? This is saying number 19 in verse 24. and chapter 24, verse 1. So he's going over these 30 sayings. He says, I get 30 sayings and I want you to listen to them so that you can get advice. So we're still looking at those 30 sayings. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 24. Okay, this is another one of those warnings about the kind of company that we keep. Or the kind of people that we hang out with. Okay, he says, being envious of evil people's success or desiring to keep company with them is not wise. It's not a smart thing to do. 
Okay, we've heard many stories of people who got caught up in situations where uh, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, we say. And this is the kind of warning he's given here. They always have the ability to drag others down with them. Or bring others down to their level. Uh, sometimes we see people hanging out with individuals and you say, boy, I'm surprised that you hang out with such a person. I thought you were above that, or I thought you were better than that, or I thought you had more sense than that. Okay, this is what he's talking about here. Their level consists of a mindset which is always planning violence. Or, we are now to say, they're always up to no good. Always up to no good. And they're always planning violence and always talking about troublemaking. Uh, that's their main focus. You get in a conversation with them and all they have to say, the whole conversation revolves around nothing good. Okay? Getting in trouble. Causing mischief. Okay? Verse 3 is another one of those 30 sayings. Verses 3 and 4. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Okay, the term house here could be a reference to a person's life, the kind of life a person lives. That's the, the, the reference of what, of what house means here. So the point here is that a great life is built by godly wisdom. A great life is built by godly wisdom, not by wickedness. Now, a lot of people appear to be living a good life as a result of a wicked lifestyle. Okay, but that doesn't last. And sometimes it's only appearances. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Okay, you're only seeing what they want you to see. They're only seeing what they're showing you. Or what they're putting on display for you. You don't know what they, like they say, the hell they're catching behind the scenes. Okay, what do they, people say? Uh, catching hell and calling it a good time? Well, that's how a lot of people live. But they, what they're showing you is entirely different from what they're going through. And so a life... A life is wrecked by wickedness, while a life of understanding provides firmness and stability. Okay? In other words, if you're living a life of understanding, you're, you're, you're living on firm ground. You're not living on shaky ground. There are a lot of people who are living on shaky ground today, and they don't know uh, when they're going to go down. And so wickedness produces an empty house. But precious and pleasant furnishings are the decorations of true knowledge. Those are the decorations of genuine knowledge, godly knowledge. And then we come to another one of those 30, this, those 30 sayings in uh, verses 4, 5, and 6. Okay, another good passage uh, for us to remember. Wise people can exercise greater power than strong persons. That's the, in a nutshell, what he is saying. Okay, it doesn't matter how strong a person is, if they don't have wisdom, their strength don't mean nothing. Don't amount to, don't, don't amount to anything. Okay, and a person who exercises the brain is more powerful than a person who, who depends on the brawn. The more wise counselors engaged in war being waged, the better. In other words, you get better advice from more than one counselor. 
In other words, don't take one person's advice. Never take one person's advice. Always go to many different counselors. What do you think? Okay, he said that, but what do you think? Or even get them all together. So what, what do you all think about this? Okay, in the presence of many counselors, there is wisdom. Uh, sadly enough, we know somebody, person happened to be a good friend, and we take their advice, and that's good enough for us. And then we go and we follow their advice, and everything get messed up. And not only that, whatever we did get messed up, but that friendship also gets destroyed. Okay, because you go back to that person, why did you tell me that? That didn't work out. You messed up my life. You did this. You did that. And so you destroy a friendship simply by listening to the advice of one person and denying or refusing to take the biblical advice of seeking many counselors. So you can't blame the person who gave you the advice. You blame yourself. So we have another one. And that one is just one verse. Verse 7. Wisdom is too hard for a fool. So what is this verse telling us? Without wisdom you're a fool? Okay. Wisdom appears to be far beyond the reach of a foolish person. Or far beyond the clutches of a fool. Okay. They can't reach it. Unlike wise leaders, they can never speak with authority. When was the last time you hear a wise person speak with authority? Hmm? Why not? Oh, the fool is the one you can't help. Okay. Right, exactly. That's what he's saying here. Okay, wisdom appears to be far beyond the clutches of a fool. Okay, a person who, who characterizes himself as a fool and they are determined to be that way, they can never reach wisdom. They've got to change their attitude from being a fool before they can be a, get any kind of advice or wisdom. Okay, so that statement is correct. Uh, verse 8 and 9. Okay, and what is the advice here? What kind of person are they talking about? What do you what what kind of reputation would a person get who is always planning evil? Mischievous. Troublemaker. Mischievous. Exactly. And that's what he's saying here. A person who plans evil will get a reputation as a troublemaker. Whoever uses God-given God faculties to create new types of evil get a reputation for being a scheming troublemaker. Remember, the faculties are God-given. Okay. In other words, you're taking what God gave you for good and using it for evil. And he says, anybody who does that will have get a reputation as a scheming troublemaker. The scheming devices of a fool is sinful. And the arrogant ridiculer who is bold in wickedness deserves whatever hatred they receive from others. Now they go around complaining how people hate them. 
Well, that hatred is deserved because of the behavior they demonstrate, because of the lifestyle they live. They deserve whatever hatred is exhibited toward them, is what he is saying, from the lifestyle that they live. You can't complain if someone hates you for being a troublemaker, if a troublemaker is what you are, right? Why complain? That's what you are. What you're hating someone for is for treating you the way that you really are. What you need to do is change your ways if you don't want to be hated as a troublemaker. Uh, but that's common sense, and fools have a difficulty with common sense. Okay, next verse. Verse 10. True or false? How many of you have experienced that? If you fail under pressure, your strength is not big enough. Behavior under pressure is just one test of a person's value. How you respond under pressure determines on what they say how big you are, how much of a man or a woman you are, how much value you have. They, in other words, they don't have what it takes if they simply give up when the going gets tough. And we've heard that a lot, right? If you give up and the going gets tough, you just ain't have it. You don't have what it takes to make it. And that's basically what this verse is telling us. So, it means that when pressure comes, we need to evaluate ourselves to determine whether we have what it takes to deal with it. The next of the sayings is the 25th of the 30 sayings, and we find that in verses 11 and 12. Okay, so here's another warning about protecting the innocent. When the innocent are being carried off to the death chambers or any other forms of execution, when the abortion mills snuff out the life of unborn children, an unwillingness that is on our part to make any attempt to rescue them is inexcusable. In other words, if you know that somebody is being unfairly treated, or if you know that somebody is being treated unjustly, and you don't do anything about it, you have no excuse, is what he's saying. Okay? You know about it. The fact that you know about it means that you are in a position to do something about it. Okay? So he says, if you know about it, you have no excuse. Pleading arrogance, pleading ignorance, is a waste of time. In other words, don't go before God and plead, well, I didn't know that. That's what he says here, in the verse. Look, we didn't know. That will not excuse you. Okay? Pleading innocence is a waste of time. It's a waste of breath. Don't even think about it. 
Okay? Uh, as Dante said, the hardest place in hell are reserved for those who in time of great moral crisis maintain their neutrality. And we have a lot of people like that today. It's just the, the hardest place in hell is reserved for people who use the excuse. Girl, I didn't know that. Child, I didn't know. Or maintain neutrality. That says, boy, I ain't getting in that. Nah, that ain't my business. I ain't getting in that. People like that? No excuse when they stand before God in judgment. Okay, there's absolutely nothing you can say to defend yourself. That's what he's saying. Does this apply to us believers who are entrusted with the good news of salvation? Is a question that we need to think about. People are dying without Christ all around us, every day. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. And so the challenge we have from this, this proverb is resist lingering in neutrality. Resist lingering in neutrality. If you know somebody who we say, make an effort to say something to them. Once you say something to them and they refuse you, you clear. But if you don't say nothing, you're in trouble. That's what he's saying. Okay? You don't have to be a Nike. Just say it once. Okay, one more one more for the last, and then we're going to stop, because our time is rapidly leaving us. Uh, verses 13 and 14. I saw and leave thou honey, because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to thy taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. Then thou hast found it. Then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. Okay. Because both are just as sweet to the taste, as well as beneficial for good health, honey is used as a symbol of wisdom. In other words, whoever finds wisdom is guaranteed a brilliant future, as well as having all of their hopes realized. Okay, so we see how important it is to get wisdom again. And this is a constant reminder. <coughs> about how important it is to get wisdom and stay away from foolishness. Amen? God is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. He's the personification of wisdom. If you want to look at, if you want to know what wisdom look, at, look like, Jesus is it. Okay? He is the wisdom of God. Amen? Amen.